What is up, Altered Nation? My name is Matt, and I'm joined today yet again by the man, the myth, the legend, Daniel Hamilton. What's up, Daniel? Hey, doing good, man. Can't complain. Um, I just want to say a couple of things real quick right off the rip. Um, I thought the intro was a little, a little too much. I don't like those titles. Um, in fact, I think I deserve something a little better. So let's step it up next time you try to introduce me. Thank you. <laughs> um, second of all, um, I have recently discovered this week how amazing the peanut butter and jelly sandwich really is. Like, have you ever like not eaten something like in a long time and then you eat it like out of the blue and you just realize like, why did I stop eating this to begin with? Yes. Um, it has totally blessed me this week. 100%. I've eaten like five this week. Oh, yeah. So, see, for me, like, I go through spurts. So when I first moved to my apartment, the thing that, you know, I didn't eat a lot of, but I loved was ramen. So I ate a lot of ramen starting out. Mm. And then I realized, like, why I stopped after a while. Um, pizza bites. Like, it'll, it'll be, like, really random things. Like, I went through, like, now that you mentioned peanut butter and jelly. Um, remember Uncrustables? Oh, dude, yes. So I, like... I went through a little spurt of eating those for like a month straight. And now, because uh, that's usually how it is with these kind of foods. It's like I'm really in the mood for it. And then I eat it for a month. And then I'm like, I now see why I stopped eating these. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely a crave a craver. I'll, I'll crave something and I'll find it at Target or something. And I'm I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. And I'm obviously we're, we're the same people because I I know before too long, I'll be sick and tired of the PB&J and I'll move on to something else. So I, I'm really bad about that. Um, but I just want to throw that out there because I'm actually I have started Weight Watchers. Hey, uh, just, just like to continue like my weight loss journey. I, I needed something that was more like consistent and like kind of hold me accountable so I can keep on losing weight consistently. And it's it's been doing good. But like, dude. I realized how unhealthy, like, I'm disgusted. Let me just say this. I am disgusted by how unhealthy I was eating for me. Like, just for like a, like a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich meal with sauce, it takes up like more than half my points for the day. Like, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. So I'm, I'm doing like just a regular chick, a chicken sandwich, a regular fry, no sauce, which absolutely pains me, dude. Because the Chick-fil-A sauce, like the, the their, their uh, signature sauce, it's like five points, which is bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Um, so I'm, I'm cutting out their sauce, which is really, really hard to do. Um, and I've just, I've realized like, Daniel, you've really created some bad habits and it's time to break it. So it's, this week's been really eye opening for me to say the least. Yeah. I've been doing my fitness pal, uh, with the calories and this is probably why I'm not losing weight as fast as I want to, because I look at things like sauce and I, I just don't count them. I'm just like, Oh, it's just, a, you know, it's just a tiny bit of sauce. It ain't going to hurt me too bad. And right. then I'm at the end of the week, I'm like, why did I only, you know, why did I maintain my weight or only lose one pound this week? And like, that's probably why. And I also drink way too much diet soda. And I know that diet soda, you know, apparently is like worse than regular so, soda, but I don't, you, I don't know. Do you know why that is? Like, could you explain that to me? Because I've heard that too. And let me just say, I don't really drink pop. Uh, I might do like a Baja Blast just because it's literally the bomb, but I don't really drink soda. So why, why, like, why would 
why is diet worse than like regular soda? I don't get that. So it's not as definitely not as fattening in terms of like making you gain weight. That's that's mm-hmm. a fact. But what makes diet soda worse is what it's using to remove that. It essentially is replacing sugar with artificial sweeteners. Oh. And and the reason why so it's not necessarily bad if you're losing weight, but it's bad for your health. And, and this is me just saying what I've heard. I I have not had any health issues drinking diet soda like i don't get sick often um like hardly at all it's the I, i'm sick right now and and we'll get into that in a second but that's the first time i've been sick in in two years and so yeah. i don't know what people are talking about um if i die at like 55 because of that and i, I go to heaven and god's like you drink too much diet soda and they tried yeah. to warn you then i'll be like i stand corrected but yeah that's apparently what's causing people to freak out about diet soda is the artificial artificial sweeteners interesting yeah I, I didn't know that i'd heard that for a while but i just really didn't care enough to really educate myself and you mentioned that you were sick and i'm sick mm-hmm. and so dude bro what's up with with the vid like the, it's just making like um like where i live it's just kind of making those rounds with like people that i know um and i actually tested positive today you tested positive on Tuesday, on Tuesday, and you and you said you're you're over it for the most part, right? I, I just heard a little cough there. Yeah, <laughs> good timing, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, but you're over it for the most part. Uh, I'm just getting started, and I don't have a cough or anything, but like my body hurts a little bit. Um, had some some um, gastro issues earlier, um, <laughs> so just you know, just leave it leave it at that. But um, what about vid, man? So how many times have you had COVID? This is the second time I had it. The first time I had it, um, it so as far as the symptoms, they look the exact same now as I did then. I start off feeling really, really bad. Then my taste and smell go away, and that's kind of how I know. And then I'll end up testing, and I test positive. And then, but the first time I had it, my taste and smell didn't come back for about three months. And then when it came back, it, everything smelled horrible and tasted horrible. Like mm-hmm. peanut butter, especially like now it's funny that you mentioned that like peanut butter <laughs> was, it, I, I would have rather smelled a used bathroom, like someone who just got done using the bathroom and then smell a peanut butter sandwich at that time, because it just smelled like straight sewage. Um, Dang. but bro, that that's grotesque. Oh, it is bad. And then when it came, and eventually it got like after about a year or so, it finally came back fully. <laughs> Dude, Dude hold on, hold on. The, the thing that makes it bad about peanut butter, it's like the texture of like. There's no possible way you could eat peanut butter. If, oh no, heck no, if it smells that bad, like the texture of it and how, especially if it's crunchy peanut butter, like I feel like it would oh, just like scar yeah. you. It would just scar you for that. Sorry to interrupt, but keep keep on going. I just I got a mental picture of that, like. It, like going through it myself and I couldn't imagine. So no, you're good. And when, so this time around my taste and smell have actually already started to come back after like a week. And so I am, I am definitely, and I've heard that getting the vaccine, apparently like I've said, apparently so much we we were talking about before the podcast words that we say too much of. And apparently I say apparently too much. Um, <laughs> do, you, have you, do you know who the apparently kid is? Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, love it. But yeah, so I'm kind of on the the upward trajectory now. Did you lose your taste and smell? 
So I, I've, this is my fourth time having COVID. Oh my, really? Yeah, like it's it's like clockwork. It's funny because Hannah, I get it like every six months. I catch it somehow. And Hannah, she told me today, like after I was feeling sick, she's like, you know what? I was just thinking it's been six months since you've last had COVID. And I was like, she's probably going to catch it again soon. And sure enough, I come down with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's, I don't know what it is or or how I'm catching it so easily. And, and I'm, just so people know, I'm, I'm not vaxxed. I'm not against the vaccine or anything like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went and got the first round of it. And then three days later, I tested positive and I'm like, screw this. Like if I'm just going to test positive, <laughs> like I'm not going to get the vax. Uh, I'm going to yeah. keep on getting it, get the rest of it. But, um, but no, dude, I mean, listen, it's, um, it's the first two times I lost my taste and smell, but the last two times it feels like like flu like for the first day and then i get over it pretty quick um so really it's just more of a nuisance than anything at this point because uh, you, you still have to quarantine for five days and all that all that jazz so you know it it is what it is yeah um i won't so i don't know if anybody from cpi is going to listen to this so i'm not going to say uh anything about my work but I'm glad that I found out on my fifth day and was able to go to work the next day. That's all I'll right. say. But right. uh, yeah, so but luckily my job, I kind of keep. I I don't have to be really close to anybody. Uh, the only way I'm close to people is if they're close to me. So if they get COVID, it's their fault. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, I saw you. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, your fault. You shouldn't have came in my warehouse. Um, but no, yes, yeah, I, I I'm. I mean, I'm very thankful for a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot less scare now. I feel like now the the COVID is kind of like the same for people as if they get the flu. People just, you know, have to stay home and get better and all this stuff. Whereas right. before, it was like, the first time I got COVID, like, I was a little scared because the time that I got it was when so many people were apparently dying from it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, you know, I guess this is the way to go. And now it's like you get COVID and it's like, oh, you got COVID. That's it. Okay, cool. Like, have a <laughs> right. good day. We'll, we'll see you next week or or, or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, dude. It's, it's yeah. changed. It's changed so much for sure. Another thing I want to bring up, and I don't just want to keep on meddling, but um, we are recording this the week after the Bengals lost tragically to the Kansas I City I called Chiefs. it. <laughs> you, you did call it. Let me just say that it was a close game. Oh, don't say the refs. Uh, don't even say it. No, it, it was a close game. All, well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> it's not just Bengals fans that are saying it. And I'm not one to jump on on the refs, you know, did it train. Because I'll admit what really sealed the deal was that penalty at the end. That, that sealed it. And that gave the Chiefs the, the W. Yeah. Um, but, you know, great season for the Bengals. I'm really proud of them. For us to do as bad as we did against the Chiefs and still only lose by three, I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So, you know, hey, listen, um, I'm, I'm ready for I'm looking forward to next year. You know, you know, just it, it could be worse, man. The Bengals, we used to be absolute dog water. So I really can't complain. I, I, I'll complain at the refs, you know, because that's what a good that's what a good. Um, what, what would you call some a good watcher, a sports watcher does, a, a, yeah. a loyal fan, if you will. That's what they do. But yeah, you know, it's just it's one of those things. Um, but I think the Super Bowl, I think it'd be a really good Super Bowl. I don't know who's going to win, to be honest with you. It's, it'll be close, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a good game either way. I saw a meme recently, and it was, I don't, well, I think it was, I'm assuming it was a meme. 
someone said, uh, uh, I found the leaked script of the Super Bowl. And it oh, I saw the, that too. Yeah. The final score every quarter. And so I, I, I kind of saved that photo because I want to see if that's what it ends up as. Because if so, that's going to be scandalous and hilarious. <laughs> they got some explaining to do. Yep. Um, yeah. And on top of that, speaking of sports, LeBron James, at the moment we're recording this, is like 60 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points in his career in the history of all the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, hats off to LeBron James. Whether you love him, hate him, can't stand him, um, you know, that, that's greatness right there, man. Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and obviously, he's, he's going he's gonna to pass it. So... Um, I said absolutely. That was one of the words that I said I said, uh, and I've already <laughs> said it. I'm going to uh, end up okay. saying it about 27 more times by the end of this podcast. Uh, absolutely, man. Um, now the so... listeners are not going to be able to focus. They're going to only look out for me <laughs> saying absolutely. And, right. uh, and what was the other word that I said? Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> well, apparently. So I, I got a little LeBron story, too. I feel like so much has happened that I've not really filled you in on. Um, uh, go for so, it. So... <laughs> this might get cut from the podcast. I don't know. So at our church last Sunday, we had a couple of people come up like after service and they were in need of like assistance, like financial assistance, which is totally, you know, we're a very giving church and we're open to helping people in the community. Um, but one guy came up and <laughs> it was the pastor's kid. <laughs> so, and he was like, that's LeBron James. And like, clearly it's not <laughs> LeBron James. And he was like pointing at the man, like that's LeBron James. Like and he, like he could not get it out of his head that that was LeBron James, dude. And, uh, we, like we were, we were just, we were trying not to laugh cause we don't want the guy to think that we were like trying to make fun or anything. Uh, but once the guy left, like we, we could not help cause it was, he was just so innocent with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and so like whenever we're out in public with them, I'm like, I hope like that doesn't happen because I, I don't know what I would do, uh, like in a setting like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just, awesome. I had, I don't throw that story cause kids are just so funny, dude. I, yeah, they they're are. Just, they're absolutely hilarious. <laughs> For sure. Well, Hey, without further ado though, I, I think, um, it's a great transition talking about <laughs> kids identifying people as LeBron. Um, that's what we're talking about today, LeBron James. Yeah. No, um, so today we uh, so I'm speaking at the, again at the time we're recording this. I know this will be in the past, but um, I'm speaking this Sunday on this idea, as unless the Lord changes my mind, um, on the idea of renewing your mind, uh, and I kind of want to title this. Uh, uniquely though it's based off of a a thing that i'm gonna read here in a while called the kingdom man so we're gonna i guess call this episode the kingdom man because i think that uh one of the things that the lord's been doing especially if you're a part of dream church um i don't know about the people that are in daniel's life i'm sure the same thing is true with a lot of people with daniel um but i feel like the lord's really been renewing the minds of those who are following him uh, mostly because, um, maybe this is just me, but I've noticed that all of the, you know, anybody from 30 and under have been evaluating what we've been given in terms of church, in terms of Christianity. And we have a lot of people who are essentially saying, like, I, this is not what, I don't think this is what Jesus died for. This is not the church that 
we should be. This is not who we should be. This is not how we should act. And people are going through a, a process of renewing their mind. They're evaluating what they believe. They're tearing away at some of the things that they believe and then rebuilding some things that maybe had been torn down in the past by previous generations. Um, but I'll, I'll open up this discussion by, uh, first I'm going to read a scripture and then I'll ask you a question, Daniel, and we'll kind of get the conversation rolling. I'm going to read from uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to be reading just simply verse 2. It's the only scripture that I plan on reading uh, in this discussion. So some people who, who think I should be quoting a bunch of scripture, I apologize. Uh, get just, over it. <laughs> yeah, get over it. I'm just going to be reading um, this passage, and then we're just going to discuss it. Uh, it's, I'm reading the NIV. I know, I, I, I'm going to stop prefacing that now. From this point forward, that's pretty much all we read, unless we say otherwise, is the NIV. So just yep. throwing that out there. Uh, so it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the question I want to ask you, Daniel, is based on what you've seen today and throughout your life, how how well do you think the generations before us did in giving us the right kind of Christianity or the right kind of following Jesus? So I would say that there were some things they were really, really good at. And then there were some things that they might have kind of missed the mark on. And some of these things might have been like pretty important, pretty important, like things in terms of like Jesus and God and the kingdom. If that answers your question. Yeah. So that's, that's the same same thing with me. I think there were some good things. Um, One thing that I feel like at least the circles that I grew up in that the previous generation got right were things like, uh, like prayer, praying Mm -hmm. for those who are around you, um, caring for the needs of like those who are sick and trying to bring about healing and all that good stuff. But one of the things um, personally that I've noticed that has been just totally missing the mark on uh, with the circle, again, this may not be everybody, but this is just what I grew up in, is it was so focused on living your life to get to heaven and leave this earth that they completely neglected the next generation. And most Mm -hmm. of this was built, and again, we're not talking about rapture theology, so I'm not even going to go into the nitty gritty of that. But they were so focused on Jesus coming back before the end of their life that they assumed that they didn't have to care for the next generation at all because Jesus was coming back. But Jesus didn't come back. And now I feel like there's so many people who were like, I had nobody who actually taught me the ways of the kingdom because Mm. they were just so focused on themselves. Yeah, man, I totally agree with that. and. You know, I mean, you start off by saying that there were, there were some really great things. And, you know, we don't want to just make light of that or act like it's not important because, you know, there were some really amazing foundational things that were kind of put in my life and it made me who I am in a sense. But you're, you're, to, you're totally right. And to an extent, like some of this, I don't want theology, ideology, doctrine, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's devastating. And I think you're kind of seeing the 
ramifications of it today with this generation of of just people in general and how they feel about church, how they feel about God and things of that nature. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of what we've grown up in um and we see this very very prevalent today. Um we see all of these uh mega churches that are being built and and they're being built more like a business and essentially trying to get all of the people who are there to frame their life in a way to where they're they're getting the most status that they can possible. Like they'll even some of these places will even teach that mm-hmm. that it's about you know, working your way up the ladder of success and achieving this American dream type reality of of life when the kingdom of God may look a little bit, little bit different. But what I, so what I wanted to do, though, with this discussion is I want us to to kind of go through a process together. And this is something that the Lord's been doing in me. And I kind of want to help all of us uh, on go on this journey as well. Uh, and that's the idea of renewing your mind. So, and and I think that this this only happens when we go through. And this is going to sound super cheesy with a three step process, um, but I think that three things must happen for us to actually begin this process of renewing our mind. Uh, one is that we have to examine where we are currently. Uh, that's very important that we examine where we are. Uh, the second step is we have to uh, take away some things that maybe don't belong. Um, I know that the cultural buzzword is deconstruction. I'm going to try my best not to use that word uh, because I know some people don't like that word. But tearing away at some things that may not be good in what we have in our our mental structure. And then there's the process of reconstructing or rebuilding back on the places that we have torn down with things that are actually better. So um, I want to kind of help gauge this conversation by asking some questions. I think that philosophy has helped us so much over the years because philosophy has taught us to ask good questions. Um, And and when I say good questions, I don't mean specifically about theology because I think if you take some of these questions and, and try to ask that about some biblical passages, it may not be helpful, but I think in finding out where you are, it may help to ask some of these philosophical questions. So I'm going to go through uh, a couple of these. I'm not going to go through definitely all of these because there's so many things to talk about with philosophy. Uh, but maybe this can this can help uh, gauge some of the, the 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 mental processes that you're going through. And at any point during this, Daniel, if you want to like interject, then, then please do. Yeah, um, sure. So one of the things that philosophy talks about is what's called axiology. And that's the study of the nature of value or valuation. So essentially, it asks the question, like, what are your values? What things do you value over other things? What things do you consider to be valuable? Uh, And I think this question is extremely important to ask uh, really off the rip is is what do you value the most in your life? So let let me give you a couple examples of what this may look like um, under a bad light. So let's say the thing that you value the most is be uh, is being right in a conversation. What are the ramifications? Well, you might seek you know an argument over a kind conversation. You might seek vengeance over forgiveness. You might put your needs above the needs of others. Um, what if the most valuable thing to you is wealth and status? Well, you might seek quote unquote the hustle over rest and Sabbath. You might 
invest your resources to your own benefit before generously giving your resources and expecting nothing in return. Mm-hmm. You might put your needs above the needs of others, um, as mentioned before. What if the most valuable thing to you is, and this is practical for a, a especially the Bible Belt, what if the most valuable thing to you is an external heaven reality when you die? Like, What if dying and going to heaven is the most valuable thing to you here and now? Well, you might see the world that you are currently in as corrupt, saying things like, Earth is not my home, but just my assignment, or I'm just passing through. You might neglect and ignore the things that can better the world around you, Uh, And you might assume that God has no interest in earth or a secondary interest in the tangible reality that you find yourself in. Uh, Let me do one more example. What if the most valuable thing for you is getting people to pray the prayer of salvation uh, and like them actually engaging in that prayer of the salvation? Well, you may not care about the means by which you get them to pray the prayer. You may say things like turn or burn or, or whatever. If just getting them to check that box is the most important thing. Right. You, you might only tell them about their eternal destiny, but not concern yourself with their present needs. You might consider them less valuable than yourself if they reject your provocation to change. So what you value is unbelievably important. And I actually have this in my notes and I, and if, if, if you're driving, you obviously can't write this down, but I recommend you write this down somewhere and like put it where you can see it every day because it's this important. But what you value the most drives your motives and your motives drive your actions. So Daniel, is there anything that you want to add on to that about like how important it is to, to value the right things? Yeah, no, I think it's obviously it's super important and I like we you know we kind of started this conversation off by talking about some things that we've experienced growing up that probably didn't leave the best impact for this generation when it comes like to church and God and things like that. You yeah. know, there's there's things like that, and then there's things that we personally that we need to take a look at ourselves, and we have to decide because we all have those things. I mean, you were talking about you know different things that you know we value but we all have things that we put before you know god and, and things like that um so it, it might not always be someone else that's that's doing it um and it usually never is it's not just something external that's happened or, or a precedent that's been placed you know it's it, it can be that it can be part of it but it, it all really starts with like so who am i and what do i value most out of my life Absolutely. Like oh, I said, absolutely. Goodness. Ah, stopping <laughs> it right now. Um, so yeah. So like, and, and think about this, like what if the most important thing that you value is what Jesus valued love? Like imagine the impact that you could make in the world. If you would be willing to let down your guard on some of the other things that you value. Cause and Daniel is right. Like all of us have something. There's nobody is perfect in this. I, when I say this stuff, I'm talking to myself too. There are things in my life that I value more than love on most days that mm-hmm. I have to. That's why I think Jesus says, lay down your cross daily because you're essentially dying to yourself every day. And if you don't, you may find yourself putting more value in the externals and the lesser things than yeah. in the greater thing. And so yeah. I think that that's super important. Uh, let me, let's, let's move on to the next, the next idea. So uh, another idea they talk about 
in philosophy, and this is going to make this is definitely going to get people. It's probably going to get me in trouble. Um, it's the idea of metaphysics. So the study of the nature, the fundamental nature of reality. What do you believe about literal physical existence, and what is our place in this cosmic reality? Like, what about what where we live now? What about this is actually true? And usually in metaphysics, people ask a lot of what questions as opposed to why and how. It's more about what. Uh, so let me let me give you some examples. And and these questions I don't think are as important as some of the others, but it's something to kind of help you as you're renewing your mind. You can begin to frame it around uh, the right things. So, what is true about the origins of creation? Who created everything that we know and love? And how like. How was that created? How did that come about? But what do you believe about creation? And I'm not going to answer that question for you, but just be thinking about it. Um, what is ontologically real and what are just concepts or theories? So an example that's fun with this one, and please don't mishear me. This example I'm going to give, I'm not saying I believe. I'm just throwing out something to get you thinking, okay? So this is not what I believe. Okay, pause it if you need to and listen to that again. <laughs> someone's going to send us an email about this. Right. Um, okay, so the, one example is evolution. Now, I know that I said that just now, and 17 people just turned off the podcast. Uh, before, so the idea of, there's a difference between evolution and natural selection for one. Natural selection is what people hate, the whole monkeys thing. Like, that's that's what people hate. But evolution, we've, we've thrown it out because of the word, but evolution is a scientific fact. Evolution is simply defined as change over time. So this is what people are going to get uncomfortable with. But think about this for a second. Over time, humans have evolved to where we can now tolerate lactose and consume milk. That is something that, you know, a thousand, two thousand years ago was not possible. Like yeah. drinking milk. We and even to this day, like most of the world is lactose intolerant. But the fact that we are like one of the only mammals that can actually drink milk—that's a sign. Like we evolved over time to do that. Um, the think about the human physique and how, like, how it has changed based on our surroundings. Things like locomotion, things like the size of our skull. Think about lifespan. I mean, if you don't believe in evolution, just look at how long people lived you know, 300 years ago, as opposed to now, mm -hmm. like people live longer now because we have evolved to deal with things such as sickness and disease and, and the environment around us. Even the size of your brain has changed over time. That stuff is, is a fact that we, that we cannot just simply throw out because of the word. Now, the part that makes people uncomfortable, and this is the part that I'm saying, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe, um, <laughs> I don't believe it. Okay, listen, sister, sister Gladys over there. I, I don't, I don't believe it. Okay, you hear me? <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> uh, but natural selection is the theory that we came from other species or whatever. Um, and, and you can believe whatever you want to about that. I personally don't think that question like affects the heart of a. I don't believe that if someone believes in this, they suddenly don't believe in God. Like if they believe God did everything, then that's what matters. But it's important that you ask yourself what you believe about these, even if you reject them, because if you don't know what you believe and you just hear what other people say about these things and say, oh, I don't believe it, but you've never actually researched it and done the work yourself, 
then it's really hard to have a conversation with people who aren't like you. And I think that it's important that we at least become aware of what other things are out. That's why I brought this up. I did not bring this up to have a debate about evolution. I brought this up to say that these are conversations that our world is having, that if we want to engage in, we have to evaluate what we believe about those things and be able to talk about those things. And that's how we actually love other people, is we begin to understand people and not just put ourselves on this high horse of, well, the Bible says this, and you just completely ignore the other person and what uh, they believe. So let me also pose this, too. I know I'm talking a lot, and I'll give you some space right here after this, Daniel. No, you're, you're good. Um, one of the things that the church rejected, so before Copernicus, um, the world believed that the sun revolved around the earth. It was actually so close-handed that there were churches, the church that dominated the land, would actually condemn people for heresy for believing that the earth revolved around the sun. But then Copernicus shows up and says, actually, this is a fact, and he shows proof for this, and now there is not a Christian on earth who doesn't believe, well, there may be some, but there's (laughs) not a Christian that I've ever known of that believes that the sun revolves around the earth because science has allowed us to see that the earth revolves around the sun. And I'm not saying evolution is going to do the same thing, but we have to be more open-handed than we are and realize that maybe, just maybe, the Bible is not a science book, but the Bible is actually something so much deeper. And if we would actually open up our hands a little bit, we may find ourselves, uh, really, if we really do the research, we may find ourselves seeing that we understand certain things a lot more than we presently do, because I think the church has just rejected um, natural science and all kinds of uh, metaphysical ideas. So is there anything you want to add on to that, Daniel? No, and listen, I mean, you're you're right on. We are so quick to, like, I mean, you said it best. We're so quick to condemn things that we don't know. Um, and then I just, it can be dangerous if we're not careful. It can be dangerous, and sometimes, like, the damage can already be done, and trying to go back and, like, you know, do damage control when you, you've made a very bold statement on something or a very bold take on something, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a second, that wasn't that wasn't real, or that wasn't, you know, it wasn't the truth. Um, that, that's just, that's a very, very hard life to live. It's a very difficult way to live. Um, so no, man, listen, you, you are absolutely right on. Yeah. And so I, and I'm not going to hang out anymore on, cause again, metaphysics are kind of like, it's not as important because it's more about what you believe about everything around us. I just think that, and John, there's a guy by the name of John Walton. He wrote a book called the lost world of Adam and Eve. Um, and it essentially goes through and talks about mankind and how, uh, for one, how we read these stories through a totally Western lens, seeing everything as literal and all this stuff, Um, which if you do that, that's fine. I'm I'm not going into that. But he, in the end of his book, and this is what made it one of my favorite books, is he said that the church has to start recognizing, if we're going to engage the world, we have to start recognizing that the world is having a discussion that the church has been refusing to have for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. But if we actually engage the conversation and actually engage it logically and have a good conversation about it, then we may find that people are actually more receptive to the things that actually truly, truly matter 
like Jesus. But if we totally just shun people because of what they believe about science, then I think that actually hurts our witness, not help it. Yeah. Um, because Jesus engaged the culture. He went, he went to people where they were. He didn't expect them to drop everything and come to him, and then he started talking to them. He went yeah. to them first and said, I'm going to engage you where you are, have dinner with you, and, and, and actually be in your presence, and then you follow me after, like, after the fact. But it's not one of those things where Jesus is doing it the other way around, saying, come to me. And yet we have churches that do that very thing, saying, we're going to ha- wait for people to come to us. Just invite people to our church, and we'll change them for you instead of actually engaging the culture ourselves, um, And that's a huge, huge thing for us. Yeah, and if I could just capitalize on that for you real quick, I, I think yeah. the best representation of that is in the book of Matthew, whenever Jesus has just preached his three-day sermon, uh, Sermon on the Mount, and he comes down from his mountain and he heals a man who has leprosy. I, You know, that man who had leprosy, who was in need of a touch from God— he did not have to climb that mountain to get what he needed from Jesus. Jesus yes. has already stepped down to broken humanity. And as a church, we can't give we can't we can't give them the perception that you've got to make your way to Jesus for him to do a work in you because he's he's already here. And we just have to mobilize that truth and that message. So I just wanted to kind of capitalize on that for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll go ahead and transition from that. I know that we could talk about that for a while. Uh, these next ones are going to move a little bit quicker because uh, I know that we're already at almost 40 minutes, and I want to make sure I get to the, the closing part of this. Um, a couple, Another question that we should ask, it, this is in philosophy, they call this epistemology, and this is the study of the nature, origin, and limits of human knowledge. So this is essentially... How do you know what you know is the question that they seek to answer. And this one is extremely important because I think this is probably the most important one of all of them. Because a lot of us, I think we, we believe so much about the Bible, about God, about ourselves, but we have no idea why. We don't know why we believe what we believe. We've been told what to believe, but we, like, we, we can't point to it in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing we can do is, you know, pastor so-and-so told me this, my church said this, and, you know, I've had conversations with people too, and they're like, and, and I've asked them questions like, well, why do you, you know, I'm trying to understand your position more, can you kind of explain it to me? And they'll say, well, I really don't know what to say, I just, I know this is just kind of what I was given growing up, and I kind of clung to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, if that's our answer as followers of Jesus, I don't know if that's necessarily going to cut it. Because if we're disciples of Jesus, then we need to be able to say, hey, this is what I believe about Jesus because I'm so close to him. Here's what I believe about Jesus, the world, myself, because I actually have put in the work to do it. Like, Do you care enough about the conversations you have with people to do the research as to why you believe what you believe, how do you know what you know? What evidence do we have to show for the things that we know? And there's there's an atheist guy that I know, well, I don't know him personally, but I, I've, I've showed Daniel some videos of him too, but it's a guy on, um, he, he's on television, but he's also on YouTube. And essentially, he opens up the call a call center type thing where people call in his show and try to show him that God is real. And he'll ask them how they know, and Daniel can attest to this. Like the, the, the responses that people give 
are just horrible. People yeah. don't know what they believe. They're just like, well, have you went outside and like looked at the clouds? Like, that's got to be God, right? Like, that's what? Like, that's that's not how we have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Um. And so I think it's something that we need definitely need to wrestle with because you know, like let, let me give you some examples. Um, and, and not go into any kind of murky waters. If I say that I believe the microphone I use amplifies my voice into this podcast. You might ask, well, how do I know? Well, the reason I know is when I speak into this microphone, I can see the sound waves moving. And if I turn off my microphone, I know that it's not going to pick up my voice. I know what I know about this. Uh, How do I know that my brother is the pastor of the church? Well, you know, I see him lead our church. He preaches every week. He's there throughout the week. Um, He's paid as the pastor. Uh, How do I know that that Daniel lives where he lives in Lexington? Well, I'm confident that if I drive to Lexington, I'm going to see Daniel where he lives, (laughs) uh, where he lives. But so I know these are really silly questions, but like ask yourself the question, how do I know what like how do I know that the Bible is true? How do I know that Jesus is the son of God? How do I know that the church is necessary for change in our world? How do I know if I am living the kingdom of God? Like these questions are important. And if we don't have an answer for them, I think it's going to cause more confusion for people that aren't in the kingdom of God. And it's going to actually hurt people more than help people. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything you want to add on to that, Daniel? No, I mean, listen, I'm over here and I'm a man in you. I mean, it's, I, I've, I've seen it in my own life that. You know, I'll just kind of take things that I was given as a kid or, you know, given growing up and I just believe it based off of that. And, you know, I, I've had to go through a season of like, okay, so this is what I think, but I really need to find out for myself before I go any further. Cause I've gone way too long and I, I just, I look dumb, honestly, whenever <laughs> people do ask me about it. So it's like, I've got to really get it together and find out for myself. So, and, and I'm not saying that people who kind of, take it for what it is and just kind of live with it. I'm not saying you're awful. I'm not saying it's bad, but there's going to come a point to where even if someone else doesn't ask you the question, eventually you're going to ask the question yourself. Um, so, you know, we'll all come to a place like that where we really have to go through that process and, and, and really discover, you know, why the truth is the truth. And I think it's really important for people to, to go through that process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, that's so true. I about said it again. Um, man, people are going to laugh at me for how much I'm... I, I am a class A overthinker, so I think about what I say and say that. Um, I'm I'm going to renew my mind and how I respond to Daniel's responses. Oh, Shondo. Uh, <laughs> Shondo. <laughs> but yeah, so that it's it's very important, though, because I, I know that I've been in conversations with people, and, and, and when I don't understand why I believe what I believe, it actually hurts my faith sometimes too, because Mm -hmm. it's like, they'll show me things and expose some of the error in what I'm thinking. And it may not even be something that I'm thinking incorrectly. It's just, I don't know why I believe what I believe. And I immediately assume that what I'm thinking is wrong right? and it can actually be hurtful. I I think I'm actually going to skip a couple of these. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, Let's, let's do one more. Just as an, ex- these are all examples. By the way, you guys can definitely go a lot deeper in these questions. I'm just trying to open up the door for you to see this. Um, so one one more thing, and this is just another example, uh, is aesthetics. So what what is beauty, and what do you consider to be uh, beautiful? 
Like what what is a work of art? What is something that defines art art uh, artistic or or beauty? Um and this one's actually pretty pretty deep if you really think about this. Like what do I consider to be beautiful? That really like when I see it, I am in awe of the beauty of this. Uh and I think that this is something that like with for example, um when God saw all the work of his creation, he saw that it was good. He saw that it was tov mayad, very good. And that's what God saw in creation. So what are some things that you may think about that are that are beautiful? Maybe it's uh, human beings. Maybe it's uh, some of the things that you do in life. And I think it's a good a good way for you to gauge where you are in terms of beauty. Because once you answer that question, you'll actually become appreciative of a lot more things that you're uh, experiencing and live. So those are some examples of some questions that we um that we can use to kind of gauge where we are and and see what we believe uh and why we believe it and and how we think. So the next question really is and these are I'll kind of tie the second and third point together is what are some things in our mind that just simply don't belong? Mm-hmm. Some things that we need to actually be renewed in. Uh, and, and I would argue that if you really go through some of these questions and really evaluate what we've been given, then you'll realize that there's a lot more, and this is me me included, there's a lot of things in my life that if I really start asking some deep questions about what I believe, that actually need to be removed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very, and I actually want, this is a good transition for me to, to read something that I, I read. Um, and this is, a way for you to kind of engage where you are too. These, he asked some really good questions in this too. Um, but there's a guy by the name of F. Nolan Ball. He's So if you guys know me, you know that I love Damon Thompson. Damon Thompson has a spiritual father by the name of Aaron Smith. And Aaron Smith's spiritual father is F. Nolan Ball. I don't believe F. Nolan Ball is still alive, but he wrote something called The Kingdom Man, which is where we got this title from. And it essentially says... Like a worldly man is one way, a worldly man thinks one way, a worldly man acts one way, but a kingdom man acts and lives another way. And obviously, when I say man, when I read this, I'm talking about women too. This is like <laughs> mankind. Yeah. Um, but he was talking to men whenever he read this. So that's why it's going to say men. But evaluate where you are in this and see if you may find yourself more in the worldly man side or in the kingdom man side. This is a, a great way for us to evaluate where we are. So I'm going to read this and and you can uh and, and then we'll discuss it a little bit and close this out. True success is not achieved, true success is received. Worldly men have faith in their work, kingdom men work out their faith. Worldly men cause others to know their methods, kingdom men cause others to know their god. The success of the worldly man can be defined in certain observable methods, methods that can be cataloged, emulated, and sold for profit. The success of kingdom men is attributed to only one thing. That one thing is obedience to the spoken word of Yahweh. While that obedience may be manifested in observable acts, emulation of those acts by others will never bring the hope for success. Therefore, the kingdom man's success does not produce much in the way of a product that can be marketed and sold at great prices, 
bringing wealth to the man. But the kingdom man's success does cause glory to be given to Yahweh. Worldly men base their success upon information, information that can be clearly edited to smooth away the rough edges, cleverly packaged, advertised, and marketed in order to bring great wealth to its author. Kingdom men know their success is based off of their uncompromised obedience to a revelation from Yahweh. True revelation is biting, sharp, provocative, challenging, and an ever-present threat to the status quo. Therefore, kingdom men are almost always misunderstood, lonely, and rejected in their time, most often remaining a voice crying in the desert. Listen to this next part. They are recognized, honored, even revered, but always by another generation, never their own. Therefore, kingdom men are content to be leaders of a remnant, the keepers of the flame, the preservers of the seed, the the protectors of tomorrow's Abrahams, Isaacs, Moseses, John the Baptist, and yes, even the Christ. No wonder that heaven and earth together cry out for the manifestation of the sons of Yahweh. Now, I don't know about you guys. When, when I, every time I read this, it is, it, it is like a knife straight through the heart mm-hmm. because yeah. I hear this and I know that so much of what I do is to be seen by others so that I can build my status, hopefully that people see me and can emulate. Like I wanna, When I die, I want people to remember me, and, and I think that's a lot of us. But essentially what he's saying here is that the kingdom man focuses only on obedience and love of Yahweh, and that's what drives everything, and that's the only thing that matters. So is there anything, Daniel, that when I was re- that I when I read that, is there anything that stood out to you? I will say that it's hard to listen to and it's hard to ask those questions because, you know, if we're all honest with ourselves, like we've we've said it several times, it's um you do some serious soul. Those are some serious, serious soul searching questions. So, but those are also the right questions. And, um, I, I love, I, I, I just, I love the, the distinct difference between the worldly man and the kingdom man. Um, so man, like that, like that was so good. So good. Yeah, and I, and I think about it this way too, and and I say this as somebody who has went through, and I'm still going through this process of tearing away some of this old belief. I will say with confidence that I I know that I know that I know there are going to be people that reject you for doing so. There's going to be people who push you to the margins for asking some of these questions. I've already been canceled by a lot of people that I I thought I was close with. And I'm not saying that to like bash anybody, but I'm just saying that when you truly decide to go through this process of renewing your mind, it's going to cause you to start discovering things that actually goes against the status quo of the church of today or against what's normal in the church of today uh, because we have just accepted a bunch of stuff that really isn't kingdom-minded, if you really think about it. But it's just something that we've been given, and the moment that you speak out against it and live against it, you're going to be persecuted. But I say with confidence that followers of Jesus who engage the things that matter, the things that Jesus taught, I'm confident, I'm certain 
that Jesus is going to bless you. I mean, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I think that the kingdom of God looks like a bunch of people like us who start asking questions that go against even, like, think about how Jesus did his ministry. We've been doing at my church a study of all the places in the Bible where Jesus talks about the kingdom. And almost every, if not every, time that he talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking to those who are religious, saying that the kingdom of God looks like this. Why are you not being the kingdom? Because ever since Exodus, you were called to be a kingdom of priests, and you aren't doing that very thing. And Jesus is speaking to them. So I I would argue that evangelism or, or preaching or whatever, that the life that we live should be directed at those who are quote-unquote on the inside because the people on the inside are not being the kingdom right now. It is evident that we are not being the kingdom of God, and we need to be willing to go through this process of renewing our mind and then bringing as many other people on this journey with us as possible and get rid of all of the junk that doesn't belong and begin to rebuild our structure to be about one thing, and that's about the kingdom and about love. And I think that that's what will will bring about this transformation, transformed by the renewing of our mind. I believe that's what will bring it about, is when we evaluate where you are, tear away the things that don't belong, and then rebuild that thing that you tore away with the truth. And thanks for listening, Altered Nation. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, that's good, man. Listen, I am over here. I I am with you, dude. Um, that's, That's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, and so if and obviously I know that this is kind of a longer episode today, um, mostly because we talked about some some shenanigans at the beginning, which is fun. Um, but I, if you guys have any questions at all, and listen, even if you need someone to talk to, when you go through this process, I, I know I mentioned it when I read this little passage, but it is it is lonely sometimes going through this process, especially if everyone around you disagrees with some of the things that you think and now are discovering. Like it, it's lonely, and and I know that it can't be comfortable. I know that it's painful. This process of renewing my mind has been one of the most painful things I've went through, but also the most rewarding thing I've ever been through. Because now I can truly say I believe what I believe, and I can truly express why I believe what I believe. And and I I I've never been closer to Jesus in terms of how I perceive myself and perceive Jesus and perceive the kingdom than I am right now. And it's an everyday process. But if you need someone to talk to or need someone to vent to even, then please feel free to reach out to us via email. We can set up a call or whatever if we need to, and we'll figure that out. I know it's a tough process, especially if you live in the Bible Belt, because there are things in the Bible Belt that it's pretty much agreed on in the Bible Belt that if you speak out against, you're immediately deemed progressive or liberal or a heretic, even though they're not that big of a deal. Um, so, but if you need someone to talk to, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if we have any resources or anything we can provide, we'll also send you those too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but is there anything else you want to say, Daniel, before we close this out? No, man, I, I do know that I'm going to uh, get off here and I'm going to do some soul searching myself. Like this, <laughs> this has been, this has been good for me. Listen, it's, it's feeding me. So, uh, thanks for bringing this to light, man. I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I didn't say absolutely there. Hey. Um, well, hey, for everybody listening, thank you so much for, for listening. Um, I know that we talk about 
towards the end. Uh, we say this every single week, and we're going to continue to say it every week. Thank you so much for your support. Um, I know that we've been growing ever so slightly. It's been a slow growth, but I know that with every pod, like every single new person that we get, like I am so grateful because I believe that God's going to do some amazing things um, through this podcast and through some of the interactions that we have. And very soon, soon and very soon, um, my brother is actually going to be on the podcast, potentially next episode, if we can get him to record this with us quickly. Um, But if not the next episode, then very soon after. Uh, But we will have my brother on here. He's the pastor of a church here in Columbia, and he'll, he'll just... He's a fire hydrant of wisdom and knowledge, and I'm a little bit biased, but yeah, he's he's great. I'm actually looking at the map right now, speaking of analytics, and there are so many new locations. We have people out in Oregon. We have lots of people in Florida, like all those Florida people, man. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, right. Florida, we got, um, we've got, what state is this? Georgia. Uh, this is, it's just, I don't know my states. Oklahoma. Arkansas, Kansas. I mean, they're just everywhere. And then we have that Belgium, that one person in Belgium holding on. Belgium strong. That's right. And Bel- what's crazy is the person in Belgium is like one of our uh, highest listeners, I believe, if I remember yeah. correctly. There you go. Um, but yeah, we're so grateful. And I, I hope that uh, this is blessing you as much as it's been blessing us. And we hope that we can continue to provide some some great wisdom um especially from other people we're going to be bringing people on pretty frequently to to overthrow not overthrow us uh to <laughs> overflow in wisdom is what the word i was looking for um but yeah I'm, I'm rambling now but we love you guys so much and we hope you have a great rest of your week altered nation out cue the music